At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Greg Peterson here, and welcome to the 261st episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where three days a week we work together educating and inspiring you to become part of your food revolution. Growing plants that thrive in your yard is a lot easier than you think. It starts with saving your own seeds and letting them remember what they already learned. Just text SEEDS to 33444 or visit IWANTTOSAVESEEDS.COM and you will receive our free webinar about why seeds matter, why saving them is easy, and how to save your own. On today's podcast, we have someone who can help find ways to take care of our health using natural ingredients. We're talking to Brigitte Mars about natural first aid. Brigitte is an herbalist and nutritional consultant of natural health with almost 50 years of experience. She teaches herbal medicine at Naropa University and the School of Health Mastery in Iceland and has taught at Eslin, Kripalu, the Arise Festival, and Mayo Clinic. Brigitte is the author of more than a dozen books and DVDs, including The Home Reference to Holistic Health and Healing, the Country Almanac of Home Remedies, and her most recent book through story publishing called Natural First Aid. She has also created a wild plant reference app called iPlant. Welcome to the show today, Brigitte. Thank you so much. It is my pleasure to share today. Nice, nice. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Surely. Well, I think even since I was a young child, I wanted to be an herbalist. Not that I knew that it was even a possible career, but I had this wonderful French-Canadian grandmother, Mm -hmm. and she used herbs for everything. And as a child, I did not like getting shots. I felt that they were a violation. I just Mm. didn't like them, and I had to get them to go to camp and school, and they had to hold me down. And so with herbal medicine, there were no shots. I thought... This is great. I want Grandmere's <laughs> medicine, apple cider vinegar and honey, garlic, plantain leaves. And, you know, I remember one time my grandmother and I found a little wounded bird in the woods and she, we brought it home and she showed me how to take care of it with herbal salve and feeding wow. it some special seeds. It might, I think it was probably flax seeds. Uh-huh. So I have been really committed to this path for a long time. And when I was 15, I was treating my classmates at an all-girls boarding school. And even though I was just a kid, you know, I figured this is information that's been used by millions of people for thousands of years. Uh And it really worked, even though I was really young. And I also want to share that I did live in a teepee for two and a half years and ate nothing but wild edible plants. So the idea that Nature is rich with things that we can eat is, and use for medicine, mm-hmm. so I really love to 
wake people up to that fact. So I just have to throw this out here because recently I heard a story from somebody who was at a retreat and she was out eating stuff out in the wild and it actually made her really sick. So there's, there's a caveat that comes with this, I suspect, right? Absolutely, because there are poisonous plants in the world, death camas and poison hemlock. There's many mushrooms that are poisonous. Mm. But this is really important information, but there's, most of the plants are edible, and then there's you know, a few, maybe 20 or so in whatever area you are that could be really, really toxic. Mm-hmm. So it's important to learn the names of them and not just put anything in your mouth. Absolutely. Right. right. So how does one figure that out? Well, there's all kinds of books. You can learn from those that have gone before. I know that during the years I lived in the teepee, I learned a lot from the hillbilly people that lived in the Ozarks. Mm, Right. Because they were really wise about the ways of plants. Wherever I've lived, when I lived in the Virgin Islands, I learned from some of the old timers that Mm. lived in the rainforest of St. Croix. If I've been in Mexico, I will find the curandera or whoever the local plant healer person is. So I think you have to be willing to be a student your whole life. Mm. And there's wonderful books. And as you so kindly mentioned, I did create a phone app called iPlant, which is available for iPhones and Uh iPads. And it's got pictures and descriptions of over 200 plants, and it tells you if they're edible or if they could be used for food or soap or fiber. And it also has the contraindications, like, you know, only use the leaves or only use the flowers. Don't eat the roots. Don't eat the bark. Mm -hmm. Because there are some plants that have certain parts that are useful and then Ah. parts that may not be. So it is a study. It's a lifelong study. And I really offer myself to helping people find their way. I live in Colorado, but I I give herb walks all around the country where Mm -hmm. I take people out and show them what is available. And I encourage listeners to find someone local in their community who can be a way shower. Maybe it's someone you meet at a gardening store. Maybe it's a farmer. Maybe it's an elderly person. Or maybe it's a a botanist. You know, be open. The wisdom is everywhere. Yeah. And I I just want to throw one more caveat in here. Don't be putting anything in your mouth unless you know you can eat it. So your book called Natural First Aid, which is coming out this month with Story Publishing, talks about how we can put together a first aid kit for ourselves that's natural? Yes, absolutely. So first aid are emergency type situations. You need help right now. They're not about chronic or acute illnesses. And if we would take some time to be prepared, Mm -hmm. then we would know what to do in an emergency rather than calling 911 or spending hours waiting in the emergency room for something that really could be taken care of at home. I also want to say that one of the wonderful things about modern medicine is Mm -hmm. we do have great first aid care. And there are times if you're in a car accident or have a serious injury, what you need to do is go to the ER. But there's many minor things that happen in our life. And if we were prepared ahead of time, we would be able to think rationally and sanely and make the right decision. And what we do in the short term might make the difference between a hospital visit or not. It might also make the difference between this being a minor problem or a major problem. So I think it's really important to learn about first aid before we're in that situation. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly imperative for parents or those of us that care for elderly people 
teachers, uh, people that work with the public. My sister owns a gym, and twice she's had to administer CPR while waiting for you know emergency squads right. to arrive. So uh-huh. sometimes in emergency situations, you don't have a lot of time to waste. And so I wrote this book in the hopes that people would read it early on and be more prepared, and also have a quick reference guide so that if you are in an emergency situation, you have some ideas of things that you could do. And very often we have remedies in our kitchen or our garden that we can use Hmm. because the last thing you want to do if you're in an emergency situation is have to drive to a store and buy things and wait in line and get home. So we really need to think about being prepared, just like every good Girl Scout and Boy Scout knows. Yeah. So what would being prepared look like? What's going to be in this first aid kit? Well, if I were to um, think about a first aid kit, I would certainly think about, you know, having some bandages and having some salve. The word salve comes from the Latin and it means to save. So let's say you have Mm. a wound, a scratch, a scrape. You know, people think, what do I put on it? What do I put on it? It's always good to have some sort of antibacterial soap in your first aid kit. And I don't like to use the chemical ones. I think they actually do more harm than good. They kill the friendly bacteria as well as the bad bacteria. So just having an essential oil soap that maybe has tea tree oil in it or lavender, both of which are very antimicrobial. So you wash the wound and then you could apply some type of salve on it. Maybe you want some Band-Aids in your salve. I think there's three essential oils that are really, really important to have. And one of the nice things about essential oils is you don't have to make a tea. They're ready to go. And I think of tea tree and lavender oil. Oh, yes. Um, They can be so helpful. If you feel faint, you could smell lavender oil. If you have a small cut you can put lavender or tea tree oil on directly on the skin. Those are two of the essential oils that can be applied neat, as it's called, meaning undiluted. Oh, right. We also want to keep in mind that a small scrape in North America might not be a big deal, but what if you're in the tropics? Mm. You know, a small scrape could easily turn into staph infection or mm-hmm. some other type of serious infection. So to have some tea tree or lavender oil would be a great ally. You can apply them as a bug repellent or also on a bug bite. You can use them for an impending pimple. You could apply it to a Mm. blister. And if the blisters popped, then you would apply lavender or tea tree oil. There are hundreds of uses for these two plants. And I hear that um, Marines even have a bottle of tea tree oil with them. I actually auditioned for the TV show Survivor years ago. Oh, I really? Guess I, I guess I wasn't mean enough to be on, but um, <laughs> right. you know, they, one of the questions they asked is, if you could bring one comfort item for home, what would it be? And I said, a bottle of tea tree oil. I figured I could mm. use that and make headway with all my teammates and maybe stay on the show. Yeah. But it wasn't meant to be. But yes, to tea tree oil for cuts, scrapes, bruises. Mm-hmm. Uh, and lavender, pretty much the same. And then the peppermint oil, um, of course, mm, you could yes. make peppermint tea. But again, if you're in a foreign country, you may not have access to a pot or a stove or something if you're traveling. But one drop of peppermint oil could be taken internally. Mm-hmm. I think people really need to study using essential oils before they take them internally. So I would say for the most part, some herbs might be helpful, like 
peppermint. But other things to put in the first aid kit, charcoal capsules are very important, especially if you're Mm -hmm. traveling, because they can help stop diarrhea. And, you know, diarrhea is not usually a life-threatening condition, but if it persists for more than, you know, three days or runs into five days, it can Mm -hmm. be very dehydrating. So charcoal capsules can help adsorb toxins and help prevent you from wasting away and losing minerals. You might want to think about having a few packets of an electrolyte beverage. There's things ready-made at the health food store like emergency or oxalant. And if you don't have that, a a baking soda is very helpful and a little uh, salt. I like to use uh, Ah, Celtic salt. So you Mm -hmm. can make your own electrolyte beverage with about a quarter teaspoon of baking soda and a quarter teaspoon of Celtic salt stirred into a little water. Otherwise, in the first aid kit, you should think about a water purification system if you're traveling, uh, maybe Mm -hmm. a mosquito Mm -hmm. net. And cayenne pepper can actually stop bleeding. I know that that sounds daunting, but you can certainly apply pressure to a wound using a clean cloth or even if your hand, if you need it. But I have stopped some cases of bleeding by using cayenne pepper. Uh So those are some of the basics. Echinacea tincture would be great to have in your first aid kit. So we don't need to make anything too big. You just want to make it available and think about having something in the car maybe having something in the bathroom so it's easy access, and then maybe even a smaller version of a kit that you take with you when you travel and go somewhere on a plane. Right. So these are all things that one wouldn't normally think you would find in a first aid kit from the drugstore. I guess that's true because a first aid kit from a drugstore is certainly going to have Band-Aids, Right. Maybe they're going to have some kind of um, antibacterial thing, thing but yeah. we're also going to use the lavender or the tea tree oil, and the, ideally your salve is going to have some antimicrobial agents in it as well. Boy, it's been so long since I've seen those, but right. a kit is going to have gauze bandages. That's mm-hmm. a good thing to have in either yeah. case. And, you know, just a little bit of for being forewarned, and, you know, it's, I always often say it's amazing that kids survive childhood <laughs> because you know oh, they yes. do they do such crazy things you mm-hmm. know not really knowing what's safe and what's not safe and so it's really our duty to teach them some safety issues but we need to be prepared when a crisis happens so that we are prepared lavender oil can also be used topically on a burn but you always ah. want to use cold water first and get the heat out you never want to oh, put right. anything on a burn until you can cool the burn right those are a few important things to think of wow wow cool and, and so let's kind of transition over into the insects and bug bites you know i know there's a big problem these days with ticks and Lyme disease. When we're out and about, what can we do about repelling the bugs? And if we do get bit, what do we do? Well, I think prevention is key. And so if you are going deep into the woods where you're more likely to find ticks, you want to dress appropriately. And that would mean things like tucking your pants into your socks and maybe Mm -hmm. wearing boots and maybe wearing a long sleeve shirt and a jacket and then, you know, taking it off. And you know, you might think about doing a tick check, although the ticks that are responsible for the, the dreaded Lyme disease are often really, really tiny. And they like to hide out in some of the dark, um, unseen parts of the body under the arms or the back of the neck mm-hmm. or in the ears. Yeah. 
So we certainly want to think about prevention and for many, many types of parasites, whether it be ticks or mosquitoes or even, for example, head lice or babies, which can be epidemic. Taking garlic capsules makes your blood Uh, very unsavory to those little critters. So garlic does not only repel vampires, but it repels (laughs) many other types of parasitic creatures that want to feed on your blood. Boy, I mean, whoever came up with the, you know, the garlic thing, it works for all kinds of flying creatures. Um, But then there's many, many essential oils. So, you know, we also want to think about that a lot of the chemicals that are used for bug prevention contain Mm -hmm. compounds that are damaging to the nervous system. And if you're outdoors a lot, do you really Mm -hmm. want to be putting that on your, you know, precious little ones everywhere? Because we absorb what we put on our bodies. So I, again, like to use essential oils, and many, many essential oils repel bugs. Eucalyptus, tea tree, lavender, rosemary, rose geranium, catnip, for example. However, one one thing about catnip essential oil, it Mm -hmm. does attract felines. So you don't want to use (laughs) catnip oil where there's uh, mountain lions or wild Tigers, for example, because all felines or many, many types of felines do really like catnip. You know, I also think that washing and changing your clothes when you get home, taking a shower can help. You know, a friend of mine did just get bit by a tick and she captured the tick to make sure it wasn't a carrier of Lyme. She started taking echinacea tincture just as a preventative. She did also apply lavender and tea tree oil to the site of the tick bite. But Lyme disease is one of those conditions where most people are going to take antibiotics. So we want to prevent it if at all possible. We want to, you know, be aware of when are the season where these creatures are in full swing, being prepared and and taking action because you really want to avoid getting that problem. And then there's the whole art of how do I pull out a tick? Um, And all of these things are talked about in natural first aid. And again, it's, it's good to have a reference. And I think so often we run to get medical assistance. And I think with Mm -hmm. so many people losing their coverage with, I guess we'll see that in full swing. I I don't really know how it's all going to turn out. It's going to turn out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but I've often lived in the wilderness and have lived without health insurance, although I currently do have it now. But I've often had to figure out what I'm going to do. It's an emergency. I need to be Mm -hmm. prepared. I have the responsibility. I raised two children, and I found that most of the time these natural remedies really worked. Mm -hmm. Wow, especially the garlic piece. Taking garlic, you know, is a bug repellent. That's that's epic there. That's one of those pieces that uh, everybody should be taking garlic. What kind of garlic should I take then? Well, I mean, you can use fresh garlic, which is what the ancients did. Um, you know, the, uh, Dr. Albert Schweitzer used garlic when he did not have antibiotics available to him when he was in Africa. Um, but there are many garlic uh, brands out there. A lot of people like mm-hmm. Kyolic because it's odorless. There's a lot of good brands out there. So I would visit your local natural food store and ask Perfect. whoever's there, what's a brand that customers are saying good things about? I don't have any one particular brand loyalty. So part of this is having a first aid kit so that if something happens, and that 
that is a piece of being prepared. But there's another way that we can go about preventing accidents, is there not? Well, being present, being careful, certainly things, you know, that your mom always said, like wear your seatbelt, use the handrail when you go down the stairs, never swallow a pill mm-hmm. in the dark. Oh, um, right. No, I didn't even think about that you one. You know, turn the, turn the pan, um, the handle of the pan inward so someone doesn't bonk into it and you end up spilling boiling water on yourself. You know, these are all the things to be prepared and also being yeah. present, being careful, being sober. You know, a lot of accidents happen in the home and it may be that we were not really paying attention or multitasking mm-hmm. too much or trying to carry too many things down the stairs. Certainly things like if you have a cell phone, you know, having it with you on the floor that you're at so you don't try to run down the stairs really quick. Um, having a bath mm-hmm. mat. What are the safety features in your house? Having poisons and you know, a lot of things we don't think of poisonous because they're not drugs, but art supplies, mm, cleaning supplies, right. makeup are all very, you know, maybe even natural products mm-hmm. from the store. But a child might say, oh, I really want to take a whole bottle of this because it tastes right. good or chewable, <laughs> chewable things. So, you know, being prepared and also trusting our intuition. I think very often accidents happen and you kind of have a sense like, you know, I kind of felt like something was out of sync right. and out of balance. And maybe this is a day where you choose not to drive, that you say, you know, I think I'm going to stay home, or I'm, maybe I'm better off calling a professional driver or taking mm-hmm. the bus and leaving it to someone who's used to driving in these yeah. conditions. So uh, really, one second can change your life. Yes. Doing something stupid, falling and hurting yourself or blinding yourself, all it takes is one second to change the rest of the way you're going to exist. Mm-hmm. So we need to honor our bodies and be thankful for all the things that work right. because all it takes is like one little splinter or blister to really make life uncomfortable. And <laughs> of course, things can get a whole lot right. worse. Or one little tick bite. Absolutely. The reason I bought th- brought that up twice is both Heidi and I have Lyme. And so uh-huh. we've, been dealing, we've been dealing with Lyme for about three years now. And it's, you know, three years ago when Heidi got bit by the tick... If we would have known, because we're in Phoenix, Arizona, and everybody knows that Lyme doesn't exist in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it does. It does. And it's spreading across the country. It might have yeah. started on the East Coast, but it can happen anywhere. And there's yes. all kinds of research that it may even be transmittable to other people. Well, that's how I got it. Yep. So, you know, that's, that's kind how of I new, got it, so. new news. Yeah, um, so we're exactly. still learning about this. And I, you know, I love Stephen Buhner's book on Lyme disease. I mm-hmm. suggest everyone read that. So that's one of the things that we're dealing with. Yeah, exactly. So having known what a bullseye bite was three years ago mm-hmm. last month would have saved us a whole lot of heartache. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Really paying attention. That's the thing. We have to be conscious and pay attention for our own health. Absolutely. So when should someone seek medical attention? Well, if what you're doing isn't working, if Mm -hmm. the condition gets worse, 
Let's say somebody faints and you, they come to within a few minutes, but then they faint again. Well, that's mm-hmm. a big problem. Yeah. What if the vomiting doesn't stop? Or what if the little infection that you're treating doesn't get better? Even things like earaches. I treated my kids for earaches many times, but if you have blood or pus coming out of your ear, it's time for medical mm. attention. Ooh. So when things get worse yeah. or the pain is great, in the case of head injuries, if the person's having double vision or their pupils are a different Mm -hmm. size. So another thing that does get spoken about in natural first aid is looking at, you know, what are some of the signs time to time to get help. And we are so blessed to have great medical care. And maybe you don't go to doctors that often. But when it comes to you, you severed a finger or you in a car accident, you should be really glad that there are wonderful staff people who can help. Yes. Right. And I just want to reiterate in all of this conversation, we're not giving medical advice here. You have to trust your own intuition and do what you're comfortable with. That's, I think that, you know, really listening to yourself, that is one of the biggest pieces of advice that I can offer. Um, How about you, Brigitte? Absolutely. I think your confidence in using natural remedies builds with using Mm -hmm. them. And, you know, study ahead of time and try these things on yourself. It makes it a lot easier if you do it on yourself to feel confident trying it on somebody else. But keep in mind, too, that this is the traditional medicine. This is the medicine of the people. This is what people did 100 years ago. I know my (laughs) grandmother lived in a small village north in Canada, and if the only doctor in town had gone fishing or hunting, my grandmother maybe would, (laughs) well, I better know how to deliver a baby because what if he's gone? Or I better know what to do if one of my children is injured because there's, there's one doctor in the town. And, of course... 100, 150 years ago, very often many towns did not have a physician at all. So rather than thinking that this is uncharted territory, this is what most people Mm -hmm. around the world do. And somehow we've lost touch with how to take care of ourselves. We depend on somebody else to make us better. And really, we need to do everything we can to protect our precious gift of health. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Amen to that. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. Okay. Well, I have two daughters, Sunflower and Rainbow. You can tell what generation I'm from. (laughs) Right. um, My daughter, Rainbow, when she was six months old, I noticed um, she was having a hard time breathing, and Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was going on with her. It's like, is this a cold? Is this teething? But difficulty breathing, that is a big warning sign. I mean, it could be anaphylactic shock, and I took her to the children's emergency room or the children's ward at the hospital. What's going on with my child? And they said she has asthma. And I said, oh, well, fine, I'll take her home. I'll figure out what to do to treat asthma. And they said, oh, you're not going anywhere. And so she was treated medically. I think back then they gave shots of adrenaline, which was really intense. But I was going to massage school at the time, and she had asthma again. It happened a second time. And so mm-hmm. I ended up writing my paper, my like term paper at massage school on natural remedies for asthma. And I found out that, look at food allergies. Turns out she was allergic Mm -hmm. to eggs. And we didn't really eat eggs, but, you know, a sip from an eggnog or um, a little bite of something that had salad dressing in it or mayonnaise. And then I found that dark orange vegetables were very good for strengthening the lungs. Things like sweet potatoes and winter squash, 
garlic is also right. good for asthma. So I ended up mm-hmm. really focusing on I'm going to figure out what to do when this happens so that we're not running to the hospital. But I am grateful that they did save her. And I had the good sense because struggling with breathing with an infant mm. is certainly a serious condition. So what I learned was if you do have a health condition, take responsibility and learn what you can do for it rather than just using medication because the medication, it's not really going to make, it might help save you. And certainly there are drugs that can save a person's life, but it's not going to make you stronger or healthier. That's really your responsibility. It might help you get through an emergency situation, but for the long-term care, Taking steroids, for example, is not going to give you healthier lungs. It might Mm -hmm. suppress the inflammation. So, you know, there's so much information out there. Story publishes all kinds of wonderful books that really empower people to Mm -hmm. grow your own and take responsibility and make healing gifts in your kitchen and look to your garden. So I really love that. And this Again, to me, this is the traditional medicine. This is the medicine for the people. Right, right. Perfect. So what do you consider your biggest success? Well, in a first aid situation or in, in general, I guess, I guess maybe I'll, I'll say... I'll let you a, take... I'll say, a, well, I'll say a first aid situation because one of the things that happened once is I got bit by a copperhead snake. Oh my gosh. That's a rattlesnake, right? Well, it's not a rattlesnake, but it's a poisonous snake. So Uh if you get bit by a snake, really the remedy is get ye to a doctor. But this was at a time when the closest hospital or clinic was about three hours away, and we didn't have a telephone. We did have electricity, but my partner at the time ended up turning on a shop vac and sucking the venom out with a shop vac. And the reason I say this, because it's really crazy, but sometimes the remedy isn't in a book. It's looking at what do I have available and what can I do right now? And yeah. I was certainly concerned, like if I, if I ended up getting sick, we would have driven the three hours to the hospital, but mm-hmm. it was a crisis to like, you need to do something right now and right. think fast. And sometimes you need to look at what you have around you and be prepared. And so I thought that was an example of quick thinking. And then yeah. I also remember at the time I was looking up in my books, like, what do I do for snake bite? What do I do for snake bite? And one book had all these wonderful Chinese herbs, which were not available in the state that I was in, Missouri. But I did come across that the Native Americans used Echinacea. Wow, Echinacea was growing right near where the snake was. So Mm -hmm. I, uh, one of my friends dug up some Echinacea root and I chewed it up. We made a poultice, we made a tea. So again, maybe I would have gone to the clinic and I'm not suggesting people don't, but the three hour drive without doing anything would have been riskier than what can we do right now. And so a a shop vac, (laughs) who knew? Because if you were to suck the venom out with your mouth, the person who was sucking the venom out, right. he could have gotten poisoned. Sounds very MacGyverish. <laughs> MacGyver. What would MacGyver, yes. MacGyver do? There you go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what drives you? Well, I, my prayer is really always to make a positive difference on the planet and to do what's good for the people and good for the planet. And hmm. one of the things we can 
think about with natural medicine is when we buy the the organic or the natural product rather than the chemical thing, we are supporting small farms and farmers. We're supporting the bees because we're buying the organic apples rather than the pesticided ones. We're mm-hmm. supporting people that work with the land. And so to me, it's amazing that you can... I like to say feed two birds with one hand rather than uh-huh. killing birds with a stone. Uh-huh, right. Oh, I love that. Thank yeah, you. We, we really need to look at our language, conscious language. Yeah. So if I can help people, help the environment, save them, save them money, save their uh-huh. health, then that's a great contribution. And really would like pray about this. Like I, w- I want to be sort of a liaison between nature and the creator. So if people, mm, um, it's been said that the nice. average... American recognizes less than five plants in their area, and they often think, oh, I've got dandelions in my yard. I need to go spray them, not knowing that dandelions are one of the first foods for the bees. But if I can Mm -hmm. educate people, like, you should be eating the dandelions. They're one of the healthiest foods on the planet and not spraying herbicides. That is such an insult, then that's really my mission. And by writing the books, I feel like I want to leave a legacy for my children so that when I'm not here and they can't, mom, what do I do? I just got stung by a bee. Hey, check out my natural first aid book that I wrote for you. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So you said it. I just got stung by a bee. What do I do? Okay, you got stung by a bee. Remove the stinger, Uh and you could wash the wound, the area, with your lavender soap or your tea tree soap. Then you Mm -hmm. might want to apply, or there's a number of things you could apply. You could apply a little paste of baking soda and apple cider vinegar. Oh, right. That would be good. You could Mm -hmm. apply mud. I know a lot of people are squeamish about mud, but you could apply mud. You could also make a little paste of papain powder. Papain is the enzyme that's in uh, papaya. It's also found in some meat tenderizers. Oh, right. You happen to have that. And you could also apply lavender oil. And if you happen to have some vitamin C, taking a nice dose of vitamin C will help to reduce the inflammation. Mm. If you're really adept and have your first aid kit super cool, you may have some homeopathic apis which is a homeopathic Ah. remedy made from honeybee. So that's Ah. good to have on hand, especially if you're in a a bee-infested, well, I don't want to say infested. Yeah, they're your allies. We want bees in our yard, and they usually don't tack. They're really quite benevolent. And, of course, if someone does have a bee sting allergy or show signs of breathing distress, then um, either you need to use an EpiPen or get to an emergency room. So. You know what I love about that conversation? You just gave us like 10 different solutions to a bee sting. Yes, and, true. And the book, yeah. Natural First Aid, really does that because yeah. if you have this, if you don't, if you don't have this, use this because surely you're going to have baking soda and apple cider vinegar. If not, those are great or things. Mud. Yep. And if, you know, one time I didn't have mud and we actually took the hose and made some mud. <laughs> right, Exactly. Exactly, exactly. So besides your amazing books, if if there was one book you could recommend for our listeners, what would it be and why? Well, actually, there's a a couple books. One is the Urantia book, which I think is an amazing book. I've been a Urantia book reader since I was 19, and Uh it calls itself the fifth epical revelation. And it's the history of our planet, Urantia. Mm -hmm. 
and it answers a lot of questions about life after death and angels and the life and teachings of the spiritual masters who've walked on Mm -hmm. this earth. So I love the Urantia book, and I think a lot of us are, you know, wanting to know what is the meaning of life and why am I here and all of that. So I love the Urantia book, and I do read that. So I love that book. And then another book for this time, Starhawk wrote a book called City of Refuge, and it's Mm. a, a rather new book. I loved her the Fifth Sacred Thing, written about 25 years ago. But City right. of Refuge, it's almost prophetic about what's going on in our planet right now and what we need to do about it. So I would say put that on your uh, summer reading list. It's really great. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. What one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Learn to eat the weeds. We are currently using a third of our nation's water supply to water grass. Most mm-hmm. people don't eat grass unless you're a cow or a goat or something. Yep. Most of the weeds that come up in your garden or yard are edible. The malva, the purslane, the dandelions, the lamb's quarter. Mm-hmm. And I find that when we learn to eat things that are growing, and you, they were growing five minutes before you're eating them, the amount of energy and life force yeah. and clarity and minerals that you get is unsurpassed. You can't buy that at the store. And right now I'm looking over my sidewalk garden. I live right downtown. I compost. I take water from my sink, like from mm-hmm. the salad spinner or that, you know, cools from. Right. And I give it back to the earth. So if you have water to throw away, give it to a plant and learn to eat the weeds. So that's hmm. not what I would say. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Brigitte. Thank you so much, Greg. Many, many blessings to you and the yeah. listeners, and um, thanks for checking out Natural First Aid. Absolutely. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? Well, I do have a website which has lots of recipes and remedies and YouTubes and introductions mm-hmm. to wild edible plants, so do check out BrigitteMars.com, B-R-I-G-I-T-T-E, Mars Like the Planet, .com. And um, I also do phone consultations with people all around the planet. So if you go to my website Ah. and you need a consultation, you can find Mm -hmm. my phone number and email there. Perfect. And your book called Natural First Aid will be out from Story Publishing here this month, which is really awesome. So check out the book. I also, I kind of want to plant a seed with you. We haven't talked about your app called iPlant. And... I'm really thinking I want to dig in and get a really good understanding of that. So would you come back and be my guest on the podcast again and talk about your app? I would be so honored, Greg. Thank you. Perfect, perfect. We'll get that in, we'll get that in motion. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org slash naturalfirstaid. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Do you want to save money at the grocery store, eat more organic, whole foods, cultivate food security, and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, Or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food 
And I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or IWantToGarden.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.